Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode from the Geek uh, Buddies. We hate to tell you this, but Shannon has been fired um, after all of his dad jokes and his horrible, horrible accent for St. Patty's Day. We have asked him to leave forever. Yeah, yeah. And I was asked to leave, but because it's on my channel, I had to stay. We but can't, we can't get rid of. Yeah, we can't get rid of Roca. We're gonna start auditioning new bud. No, he's just sick, but yes, a boy can is. dream. A boy can dream. A boy can dream, can he not? Yes, he's sadly <laughs> under the weather and won't be joining us today. And I do not have an alternate graphic of just me and Michael. So you'll have to deal with Shannon's pretty face still on the camera to some extent, but we are maybe, gonna do- oh, was Maybe that? it's time to make a just you and me graphic. I'm just, <laughs> whoa, I'm just saying. Whoa, what? I'm just what? saying. All right, well. Oh, God, no, no, no. Feel better, Shannon. Feel better. Um, but uh, we're going to get into so many things here today. We're going to talk about some news with uh, Thor 3, with Christina Ricci, uh, going back to the Adams Family Universe, uh, some Tron 3 stuff, and, of course, updates on the Bob Chapik, uh, Don't Say Gay, Disney walkouts, Disney reaction to this bill. Truly an incredible thing to witness here from a company that is notoriously very firm with their employees about what they can and can't say and uh, can and can't do so a lot to explore here plus in our main topic we're going to get into our uh, oscars predictions and shannon has said his in ahead of time so we'll read his as well as giving ours and we'll have a special um caveat to those oscar predictions as well for those of you who knew thank you so much for joining us here on the, on the geek buddies for those of you who are uh coming back every week thank you very much for staying on the train the way the show works is each of us brings up a geek news item in this case mike and i will take turns uh bringing up uh, four geek news items then we're going to take a break and jump into our uh main event topic and that is uh, the oscars 
Uh, Mike, how are you feeling today on this uh, on this Wednesday? Lots been going on in the world. Lots happening. How are you feeling? You seem more vibrant. You seem a little uh, happier in a better place. <laughs> than you I am. I, I. It's been busy. Work has been very, very busy. Okay. I just turned in a big script uh, the other day, and so oh, nice. that is turned in. I'm waiting. I'm sure I'll have a lot of notes and a lot more work, but for the moment, it's turned in. I have another script that I need to work on today, but today is actually. Uh, a little lighter than usual. Ooh. I'm gonna be running some errands because I'm going out of town tomorrow night. I'm heading oh. to Orlando to actually go to Disney World. So nice. I'm gonna wear I'm gonna wear my uh, my gayest shirts in Florida. Okay. All right, but uh, but yeah, I'm gonna head to Disney World for the weekend. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm in a good mood. Feeling Wait, good. are you both heading life. to Disney World? Am I off on this? Are you both heading to Orlando? Am I confused on this? Or is, is Shannon going someplace else? He is also going to Orlando with his wife uh, okay. for a family visit. I okay. am not going to visit Shannon's family, okay. although I do love Ma Klung uh, very much. <laughs> yes, I will not be visiting her. I will be hanging out with my sister, Rachel. Oh, and nice. we are going to be partying it up with uh, with two of our buddies, uh, Paul and Jonathan. In nice. Orlando. UCF's own Rachel Vogel. Rachel Shout Vogel. That's right. Her. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, I will be staying here uh, because I do not. I can't afford to fly to Orlando and hang out with these boys. But we'll do our best today to have a little fun today. And uh, speaking of fun, uh, people who uh, have been very fun in supporting us and very cool in supporting us, that is Carbon Health. They power and sponsor our show. We couldn't be more thankful for them to be on this ride for the last five months and possibly four more coming down the road here that is being negotiated now as we speak. But I want to give you some uh, updates here on carbonhealth.com. You want to go there to get your uh, health needs taken care of for sure. They've got 100 plus locations now across 14 states. That's right. They've increased the number of locations they have to over 100. They've got 50 plus locations in California, across the Bay Area, Los Angeles, Sacramento, and North San Diego. they got COVID testing. they got testing for those of you who are going overseas and we've been hearing about a possible new variant, Michael. So the COVID testing may start to become more important all over again. And they do checkups for you and they can be used as a primary care uh, service provider there at a local clinic for you. They listen to you, they follow up after your appointment and they bring compassion to their everyday work. And we are very proud that they sponsor us because we like the way they handle things on their end of the deal as a uh, healthcare provider, Mike. Maybe they can send Shannon some cough drops. <laughs> Yeah, sure. So, some tussin. Get him some tussin. Get, Get him, him some tussin. Get him some tussin. That's all what right. you need. That's all you need. Just some tussin. <laughs> Just pour some tussin on it. Uh, all right, Mike, let's get into this thing. Uh, what do you got first for us? Well, uh, yeah, as we talked about last week, uh, you know, if you don't know, then you're not on social media, but uh, Disney has really been struggling uh, ever since it was revealed several weeks ago that uh, the Disney company was supporting several politicians who were behind the uh, legislation in Florida that has been dubbed the Don't Say Gay Bill. Yes. Um, so that has definitely really, really blown up. Been a big, big challenge for Bob Chapek as he's been stepping into Bob Iger's shoes over at the Walt Disney Company. And even after Bob Chapek finally got around to coming out and issuing a full apology, saying he did kind of flub the entire thing and that Disney was going to pause all of their political donations, at this point, it still really wasn't enough. Sort of the, uh, the, the, the lion within the mouse company had been unleashed and people are really, really uh, stepping up and really upset about it and kind of demanding yeah. that Disney take a little bit of a stronger stance and that Disney really uh, stop giving to people who support bills like that entirely. Mm -hmm. And uh, yesterday, as of this recording, Tuesday, uh, there was both a physical walkout at the Walt Disney Company and probably even a little bit bigger was the social media walkout. You know, yeah. so, so many 
of us are still working from home, a walkout uh, isn't just walking out of a studio where you may not be working, but also not attending meetings, uh, setting your messages on your email to away, uh, and just kind of taking the day. Uh, and then when you looked on social media, not only did several employees of the Walt Disney Company kind of voice their support for the walkout and voice the fact that they weren't working that day, but several divisions of Disney, including yeah. Disney Plus, Hulu, ESPN, Walt Disney Parks and Resorts, all uh, posted um, things supporting um, the LGBTQ, the LGBTQ, wow, you'd think I would be able to say it easy, I, you know, LGBTQ plus uh, uh, community and uh, denouncing the legislation and kind of showing their support. And so we I thought it was really interesting for two reasons, uh, even though we already talked about it last week. One, yeah. As I was looking at social media, you know, when people see parts of the Disney company kind of voicing their support, there was a little bit of cynicism and a lot of people saying, oh, it's a little too little too late. But I think what people are missing in this, and I think the part that's really impressive is these divisions, you know, Disney as a company is not a monolith. Yeah, uh, I think we can all agree that Bob Chapek really flubbed things. I think Disney as a company deciding to give money to those politicians is a company choice at the highest levels. But any one of these divisions, Disney feature animation, Pixar, Disney TV animation, Hulu, ESPN, Disney Parks, every single one of them is yeah. made up of individual employees. And those individual employees are the people that are pushing back, as John said, in a way that Disney employees haven't really done in the past. Yeah. And so even all of these different divisions kind of posting what they posted, Marvel did, uh, Kathleen Kennedy uh, at, a PGA, at the PGA Awards kind of spoke about the importance of queer inclusion. And so seeing each of these divisions uh, kind of posting support, voicing support. It's really fascinating what's happening at Disney right now. You know, Bob Chapek has had sort of a rough run of things uh, from the get-go. I mean, starting with the Scarlett Johansson kind of flub with all of the back and forth on Black Widow going to streaming, which we covered, yeah. uh, price hikes at the Disney parks, uh, making you pay money to get certain rides, fast pass. Like, there's been a lot of things that have happened since Chapek took over. And this is now the one that feels like it's kind of breaking this camel's back a little bit. Um, so it's kind of just crazy to see the Disney company in a complete uproar. Johnny, what do you think about all of it? Yeah, it's, 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 you know, Mike, I lived in LA for 20 years. I had a lot of friends, including you, who've occasionally worked at Disney or done temp work. I thought you were going to say a lot of friends, including you, who occasionally make out with boys. No, no, no. no <laughs> that's fine too. But yes, I do have those as well. But yes, I, you know, and I, so I've, I've, I've understood and, and seeing the power of the mouse, as they like to say, in these people's eyes, in these people's actions. And of course, off the record, we had conversations about how uh, some things were run there. This is under Iger's regime, by the way. So th there were some, you know, there's a way they do things. And yes, it seems like Chapik has come in and has been a bit with uh, stomped in with combat boots, kind of shattering stuff, breaking stuff. And people now... Uh, have more of an inclination to push back and fight back, whereas Iger had a bit more finesse. Iger had a bit more of an understanding of how things work in Hollywood. Chapek feels like he's completely out of place in what he's doing, but the other side of this is he's made money for Disney. He was actually the right person at the right time for the pandemic to transition Disney into a streaming service, into get Disney, into get people, because he had done so much of direct-to-consumer experience. That really came into play to help Disney keep making even more money during the pandemic and transition out of under Iger. Unfortunately, some of these issues that he's experienced, as you mentioned here earlier, Michael, these are self-inflicted. The Scarlett Johansson thing could have been handled behind the scenes. You know, Disney's really good when they want to handle shit behind the scenes. They don't want to get any negative press. They can get it done. But I think Chapek came in feeling a little bit like, you know, we're Disney. No one's going to mess with us. But 
You got to understand the power of the people. Ever since the last few years, we've seen, of course, there have been marches and protests in this country for any number of things for decades. But certainly the last couple of years, last three, four years, we've seen people mobilize and be unafraid to break NDAs when it comes to uh, when it comes to Me Too movement and break through walls, uh, uh, you know, proverbial walls there with Black Lives Matter and with seeing more people of color and all of this stuff. So LGBTQ community has been there as well, breaking through the proverbial walls as much as possible through entertainment and Disney. Finally, I think, got caught under the wheels of this once and for all with this don't say gay bill. That was enough was enough. Now, he's up. His contract is up in February, and I'm reading in Variety and all these other places that there's no plans to oust him. But I don't know if we're one step away or two. Oh, wait, one mistake or one another mess up away from people move from them moving on from Chapik because it's better. And apparently, uh, as I was reading here on CNBC, there were issues between Iger and Chapik to the point where they weren't even talking by the time Iger transitioned out. So certainly he must have a very brusque personality that people do not feel they need to respect or that they are upset about and do not like. So they have no issue risking future employment or risking penalties to combat him. And so I'm encouraged by what the employees did. I'm encouraged by all these networks doing this stuff. But also there is still a little bit of cynicism. They're trying to save their money. They're trying to save face trying to save their brand, not ousting the guy, I think is a big mistake because don't give me this shit that he's just waking up to this truth this late in life. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I do think having a CEO come in and be ousted that quickly probably doesn't look great for the company yeah. either. So I don't know what's going to happen, but I think you, it is definitely clear, uh, not just because of the don't say gay thing, but because of many of the things that have happened at Disney, as we're talking about from Scarlett Johansson to to the don't say gay, yeah. uh, that things are not necessarily um, feeling like they were running as smoothly as they did when Iger was there. So it'll be yeah. interesting to see what happens. Yeah, yeah, we see, and we'll keep updates on it. And for those of you who may be like, well, what's this got to do with entertainment? It's got a lot to do with entertainment because it's Disney, and we might be starting to see finally more and more of LGBTQ plus representation fully in the characters that are in the main part of Disney's uh, uh, money and Disney's um, projects, on the main area of Disney's projects, we might, just, we might start to see this as a reaction to what happened. And Shabek's going to have to loosen the reins a little bit, and it'll be curious to see how that goes as this goes along. And you're right. I mean, challenge uh, ch charging that much for Galaxy Star Cruiser, my God, that's insane. Um, anyway, let's move on to this other story here, and this has to do with Tron. Uh, three. Yes, I'm a massive Tron fan. I enjoy Tron Legacy. I like the original Tron. I enjoy Tron Uprising, the animated series. I think you did as well, Michael, if I'm not mm -hmm. over speaking here. Uh, and there were plans uh, for a possible sequel for this a few years ago. It did make it made about 400, million, a little bit over 450 million. I think uh, Legacy did, but it wasn't enough to maybe encourage them because it was 150 million dollar budget. Wasn't enough to encourage them to do a sequel in the end, so they didn't get it done. But Jared Leto is involved here. A couple of years ago, he got involved here to possibly make this happen. He was talking to Screen Rant, and he said that I'm a super fan of Tron, and we are working hard on Tron with our incredible partners at Disney. Just an amazing group of creative people. We're getting closer. We're getting closer and closer. And who knows? Something may be coming sooner rather than later. And they did hire Gareth. Oh, they did talk to Gareth Davis. Gareth Davis and Leto are working on this. And remember, Gareth Davis directed Lion, that great film with Dev Patel. If you haven't seen that, it's a fantastic film with him and Nicole Kidman. But yeah, so to me, I'm encouraged by him speaking about this. And of course, he's on a, the Morbius press tour right now. 
And he's got uh, We Crashed out there, which is a fantastic new show on Apple TV about WeWork. Uh, so do you believe him? Do you think this is just platitudes? Or do you think we might be getting close to a Tron 3? And is the public ready for a Tron 3? Do they want a Tron 3, Mike? Uh, well, okay, two, that's two th- two different things. Sure. So my first thought is, uh, I mean, I I don't think he's lying. I am sure he is working on a Tron 3, but an actor, director, working with a studio on a giant franchise is, that that could be, they could be doing that for the next eight years. Uh, like, good so, point. You yeah. know, I mean, like just with schedules, with development, oh, well, we had an idea, but let's get a screenplay. Oh, that screenplay didn't work out, but we still yeah. like the underlying idea, but now Jared Leto's doing this movie, so we can't, like, there's just so many things between, oh yeah, we're working on something and something is actually physically in production that I'm kind of like, okay, we'll yeah. see. Um, to the other part of it, I mean, Tron is a weird brand. It's a huge brand for Disney. Um, the Tron light cycles are coming to Orlando the, from Shanghai Disney. It's apparently an awesome roller coaster. So yeah. I'm excited about that. I think Tron is one of those things that has always been better in its concept than its execution. Mm. I think the original Tron movie it was when it came out, looked really cool. Yeah. Uh, kind of like, you know, really sort of push the boundaries of what you could do with special effects at that time. I don't think the movie it's, and I think the ideas in the movie going into this video game, going into the grid, like was really cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know that the movie itself was amazing, but it was enough that people really thought it was cool. Yeah. And then Tron Legacy came out and people were very excited about it. Yeah. And I think they did an amazing job of expanding that universe and expanding that world. And then they had Daft Punk come in and do the music, which is probably the most iconic thing about Tron Legacy. Yeah. But the movie itself, when you get into the story, you're kind of like, yeah, the story's okay. <laughs> the world that they the world they created was awesome. The story was fine. Sure. sure and so sure. I think the idea of a Tron 3 is it's like this thing that you like you always want it because the world that they've created, you know, Daft Punk is broken up, so I don't know that they will be doing the music, but like but like I think that the idea of a Tron 3 sounds very tempting. Yeah. But I don't know that for all that there are people that uh that Tron is kind of a beloved part of the Disney brand. I don't know that Tron has ever fully reached its potential. So yeah. are people a... ready for a Tron 3? I think people are always ready for it because there's okay. there's always just this hint of like, this is a cool, weird, funky world that has yet to actually deliver, I think. I think this is an interesting point you bring up. And, 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 I, and I have to agree with it, to be honest with you. Legacy, I love Legacy for its look. And Michael's right, the story... The dude becoming Flynn and all that's that was hard. That was hard. But I liked Olivia uh, Wilde in the movie. I enjoyed her character. I liked that they had this idea of confronting your younger self and your more aggressive yeah. younger self. What would that be like? Certainly there was some philosophical. I think it was a film ahead of its time. And as I've seen on some message boards here, this film now is coming kind of coming into a cult appreciation for a lot of people, as the first Tron did. The first Tron was also kind of a cult film. There are shades of Blade Runner here. I would argue that both Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049 were both uh, superior films to Tron and Tron Legacy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but they don't necessarily grab the the mainstream populace at the levels that like Star Wars or even The Matrix or these other franchises that are massive do. But within the fandom of them, they think these are incredible pieces of sci-fi and they should be more beloved but the truth is i don't know how big of a film it would be and and by the way tron legacy made more than blade runner 2049 so though it's a better film blade it didn't yield better box office results in the end so this is 
a fascinating play. So clearly there's enough people that may want to see this, but I agree with Michael. you got to come out with a great film for it to finally reach its full potential and explode. But, you know, there's animated stuff. There's comic books. There's all this stuff. The light cycles are coming. You know, So it's clear there's yeah. still enough of a fandom here, Mike. I'm going to tell you, here's how I feel about Tron Legacy. Yeah. On more than one occasion in my life, I have yes. put on Tron Legacy, muted it, played the Daft Punk soundtrack as loud as I could, and just yeah. chilled out in my apartment. And that's great. Like, yeah. it looks gorgeous. The Daft Punk music is amazing. Yeah. I can be totally immersed in Tron as long as I'm not really paying attention to the story. Shout out to Michael Sheen, one of the best parts of that Tron Legacy. Michael Sheen is one of the best parts of that right. movie. Oh, he's great. He's so cool. Oh, he's man. So yeah. So, yeah. But, like, so I think that I think there's a I, – I, I do really honestly legitimately think that there is a great Tron yeah. movie out there in the universe somewhere. Like, with the world that they've created and even the events that happen in Tron and the events that happen in Tron Legacy, I think there is a brilliant, amazing, holy shit, I can't believe they did that movie. Yeah. I don't know that we're going to see it anytime soon, but who knows? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, Disney, Disney Insider had a uh, had a, uh, a report here last December. Um, they allegedly spotted the legacy location of Flynn's Arcade sporting some new branding. Uh, and they said the film was, quote, far ahead in development around that same time. Uh, but then an early 2022 shoot was speculated to possibly be in the works. But that has not come to fruition yet. So, yeah, we may be close. We may be far away. Who can say? Maybe Gareth Davis, who directs these more character-based pieces, will bring that missing element that uh, has been uh, missing in the last two Tron films to kind of elevate this thing to the next level. We shall see for sure as it goes along. We'll keep tabs on it for sure. Uh, all right, Mike, where are we off to next? We are off to a creepy, kooky, mysterious, and spooky story uh, regarding the Netflix series Wednesday, which is currently uh, in production um, from Tim Burton. It is a story, it is a mystery kind of story about Wednesday Adams. Uh, Luis Guzman is playing uh, Gomez. Catherine Zeta-Jones is playing Morticia. Like, people are really, really stoked about this. Uh, people yeah. at Netflix that I've talked to say that it's awesome. It's super great. And they got definitely a pretty big bump this week with the reveal that Christina Ricci, who uh, most of us associate most with Wednesday Addams, uh, if you grew up in the era of the Addams Family movies, is going to be in the show. She is not playing Wednesday Addams. Um, but she is playing a mysterious new role. They have not revealed who it is. They're keeping it pretty close to the vest. But a yeah. little hint of where she might fit into this is the fact that Thora Birch recently exited the show, uh, citing there was an illness that, in her family that she was dealing with. Uh, so left the show. They had mostly finished uh, her shooting her stuff. Um, yeah. She had finished filming the bulk of her series regular role as Tamara Novak. Wednesday's dorm mother and the only normie on the staff at Nevermore Academy where uh, with a focus on all things botanical. Um, and so this show takes place at Nevermore Academy. It's sort of a mystery type series. Um, the role, they say the role, they said when it came out that the role would not be recast, but that the producers were looking to add a new character to the show's first season. Mm -hmm. Unclear whether that character would take over for Tamara to help close out her planned storyline. 
uh, or whether that new character will replace Tamara. Like, nobody knows. But it does seem that with Thora Birch exiting and now this news that Christina Ricci is coming in, that might be the area where she might fulfill a role. If Thora Birch was playing sort of a normie sort of den mother, yeah. maybe she leaves and uh, Christina Ricci comes in and plays a very different kind of den mother. She could also be something completely different and have nothing to do with Thora Birch. But yeah. I think those two stories kind of happening on top of each other uh, maybe give us a hint for who she's going to play. Well, it's interesting because we haven't seen much from Thor Birch uh, since Ghost World and uh, and um, American Beauty. You know, she's popped up every once in a while and stuff and much publicized her stuff with her family and, and what have you. So she's very tight with her family. That's been a very uh, a clear thing for quite some time in the business. So stepping away because of a family illness is very uh, uh, understandable considering yeah. her connection with her family. So. Who does Tim Burton call on, but someone who he has worked with in the past year, bringing in Christina Ricci. And I love this idea that she's a part of coming back into this. I do get worried that fans will be like, well, why is she back if she's not Wednesday? I'm confused. What's the point? But hey, she's coming back to have some fun with it. Hopefully it's a great role for her. And as you said, people have been saying uh, kind of under their breath or behind the scenes how much this one is turning out to be a damn good show. Yeah. Series. And, you know, it has shades of how they changed Sabrina the Teenage Witch around. So why not do that? They clearly have a blueprint there. Let's follow that and do something really great with this because there's so much fun but also darkness to explore within the Adams Family universe. Bringing in Christina Ricci as a normie would be very interesting. What is her role? Is she going to be supportive of Wednesday or is she going to be a, an enemy of Wednesday or an antagonist of Wednesday? It'll be curious to see, but you know, bringing her in adds a little, even more, a little more authenticity to it. And I can't wait to see this one because I mean, Luis Guzman, that is some inspired, insane, out of the box casting. And I love that idea. Zeta Jones bringing some class in as Morticia's always class. So I love the fact that she's a yeah. part of it. And I want to see what Jenna Ortega does with this role. And maybe it's nice for Jenna to have someone like Christina Ricci on set who has played the role. Maybe they're having fun conversations. And obviously there's some reshoots happening to some level. So maybe there's even more, uh, I don't know, an extra level or an extra layer being added to what she's doing Wednesday after conversations with Christina Ricci. I don't know. Yeah. And I also, like I mean, just if you've seen, uh, I mean, if you watch Yellow Jackets, like Christina yeah. Ricci, the Ricci's aunts is happening. Like Christina Ricci <laughs> uh, just killed that role. One of the one of the best parts of Yellow Jackets, I think. So uh, she definitely still got it. So yep. whatever she's going to bring to it, I'm sure it's going to be amazing. So I'm definitely, I was already excited for this, but now I'm even more excited for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, speaking of excitement, a lot of people are excited for Thor Love and Thunder. That's our next topic. Let's talk about it here, Mike. You know, people have been clamoring. Where's the trailer? Where's the trailer? Because the film is only four months away. Do you remember when we would just like go on with our lives? And then if the trailer showed up, we were happy the trailer showed up. Now there's just like pitchforks and the lighted uh, sticks and everybody wanting to get those trailers as soon as possible be patient it's coming but the uh, a new uh, news item came out yesterday saying the reason there's been a delay or a possible reason there's been a delay with the thor love and thunder trailer is because christian bale has been called back reportedly for reshoots for the marvel sequel now we're not that show that says reshoots are a bad thing. I mean, third or fourth round of reshoots may be a bad thing. Uh, but, like, this is just, they're calling back. Reshoots are a standard thing. But clearly, the, and this is coming from my brother, Jeff Snyder, who I co-host a show with on this channel, over at The Ankler. You're saying Thor and Love and Thunder is undergoing reshoots as of now, with Christian Bale currently working with Marvel Studios on bringing more gore to the fore. So, clearly, it seems like they want to beef up 
this character. Maybe they felt the character was missing from a long stretches of the movie, or maybe they've thought of new ideas of what they want to do with the character. So they're shooting more with this. What do you take from this report, Mike? And are you one of these people frustrated that we haven't gotten a trailer yet? Uh, I'm not frustrated we haven't gotten a trailer. I think Marvel is in a tough spot. I think they'll get out of this tough spot in about a year. But the same thing happened with No Way Home. The reason that we're not getting, I think, I could be wrong yeah. with this, but I think the reason that we're not getting these trailers as early as we normally would on yeah. the regular course of a movie's uh, promotion is that Marvel is so stacked right now because so many movies got pushed back during the pandemic. It's like they don't want us freaking out just yet about Thor Love and Thunder they're perfectly happy with how much we're all freaking out about multiverse of madness right and it was the same like with Etern like eternals was kind of the focus and they didn't want no way home to necessarily steal eternals thunder so eternals came out boom no way home stuff no right. way homes came out boom multiverse of madness so i have a feeling i don't think they'll necessarily wait all the way until may seventh eighth whatever sure. i think we'll probably get a thor love and thunder a little bit before but i think that they are kind of trying to wait and just keep our focus as much on multiverse of madness as possible yeah well what do you um, think yeah go ahead keep going Sorry. go ahead no what were you know we're gonna ask i'm just gonna ask a question what, what what why do you think they want to beef up the, the role what what would be your speculation on why they want to beef up the role do you think that they want gore uh, gore to be an even bigger part of the mcu if they realize hey, we may need to attach him to other things. We may need to make some illusions. Or do you think it's simply they felt like he wasn't a strong enough presence in the film? I, well, I think Kevin Feige, I mean, to your point about reshoots not being bad, Kevin Feige, in uh, when he was talking about it, said, you know, reshoots was a bad word. On this movie, and oh, this movie's in reshoots, there must be a problem. Uh, and then Feige explains that there's not, that's not always a cause for concern. Yeah. He said, reshoots are key to our films, starting with Iron Man. We always say we're smart filmmakers at Marvel, but we're not geniuses. And the best way to give notes on a movie is to watch the movie. So we make the movie and go, yeah, that's not right. This doesn't work. And we have a system now that can be quite precise and efficient. Sometimes reshoots last one day, sometimes 15 days, sometimes more. And we continue to go in and make the movie the best that it can be. So I do think that, look, that's the positive spin. Sometimes you're like, man, we fucked up. We got to fix this movie. But I think with Gore, it could be one of two things. Like I think one, it could be they realize that there's some stuff in the movie that doesn't make sense and they need to reshoot some stuff with Gore for his motivation, for yeah. his arc. Uh, oh, it, this isn't as clear as it could be. Let's go back and do some stuff so that people really understand why he wants to kill God. So there might be some clarity stuff or some stuff that's not working. The other thing that could happen, um, and this this is also a possibility, is that they watch the movie and they were like, fuck, Bale is great. Yeah. Gore is awesome. Yeah. Let's let's go let's go beef these scenes up because he is killing it right now we need he's going to be a standout for us he's going to be a big villain for us let's go make it bigger so sometimes reshoots aren't we have to fix a problem some reshoots are like this is so good we yeah. want to double down on this so it could be that too yeah yeah and I, I think feige is great to come out and be honest about it and that's the process you know and so i'm, I'm it's not wasn't that long ago where people like reshoots oh no now we understand there's so much involved in all of this, especially with a connected universe, that you've got to be careful about how you do things. And wouldn't you be encouraged by reshoots because they've watched the film and decided they may need to make some adjustments to make sure it's an even better film? So I think that nowadays, I think of reshoots as a positive as opposed to a negative because they understand the pressures on them for the fan base, you know, to make I it do all think, Well, I do think another key difference now in the era yeah. that we're currently living in is that the geeks are behind the wheel 
I mean, Kevin Feige yeah, is running everything at Marvel, and he's a geek. He clearly yeah. knows what he's talking about. Favreau yeah. and Filoni over at Star Wars, they know what they're talking about. And I think what used to happen a lot is before comic book movies and the genre movies were like the big thing, um, you would have some comic book movie. Oh, we're going to turn this super, we're going to turn this comic book into a movie. And you would have a director come on and they would try and do their thing. But then you would have these studio executives who weren't always maybe the most well versed in. <laughs> comic book uh lore come in and go well this doesn't make sense this isn't relatable yeah. this is going to be weird audiences won't understand this so then you had things where they were going back in and reshooting things and there's there is a type of notes and i say this as a former executive mm -hmm. there is a type of note that executives sometimes give that are middle america won't understand this yeah that is almost always a horrible note it is almost always second guessing something that's creative and weird and out there. And uh, ooh, let's pull that back. That's too weird. That's and that's where you get. Uh, oh, we took away this this character's really interesting origin and made something that was more like palatable. And so those are never good. But I do think with the people that are currently behind the wheel on some of these big uh, brands, mm -hmm. I think we're getting less of those. I think yeah. we're getting more like, okay, we're gonna fucking do a multiverse. We're yeah. going to just really go for it. And we're seeing that audiences will go along with that. So I do think that Feige is being pretty honest that I think when they're doing reshoots, they are trying to make the movie the best that it can yeah. be. They're not trying to water it down or make it safer or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. So and that's a good thing. And I, and I'm down for it. So uh, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to see what we end up with. And when that trailer finally drops and Michael makes an excellent point, don't forget Ms. Marvel is on the, is on the precipice yeah. as well. And Moon Knight, which is. Yeah. Moon Knight is a week away. I didn't realize I opened up, I was looking on YouTube this morning, the trailer. I'm like, Oh yeah, Moon Knight's coming soon. And they were like in a week. And I'm like, Oh shit. <laughs> So get ready. The uh, Geek Buddies review machine is about to is about to ramp up. God knows uh, how God. that's going to go. We got to figure out who we're going to bring on too. Yeah, exactly. We got a lot of things going on. Um, all right. Well, let's take a quick break there. That's our uh, geek news items here to start the first part of the show. We're going to take a quick break and we'll jump into our main topic, giving our Oscars predictions, which is happening this Sunday. And we got a little caveat attached to it. We'll be right back after this. Dun, 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 dun. Bum, 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 bum. Bum, 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 bum. Sorry, Shannon wasn't here. Somebody had to do it. I thought he'd be going like Oscars, Oscar, Oscars. But, you know, I like that. Oh, that would have like... been good, too. I just, right? just kind of went right for like that. What's that movie montage music? That gets... you all, everyone makes fun of me every year for the Oscars because anytime they show a movie montage, I get teary-eyed. And so I just figured like, what's my movie montage music? Why wouldn't you? We've reached across a crowded room before. Um, all right. Anyway, uh, let's uh, let's get into this thing. The Oscars are happening this uh, Sunday night. I, I will probably be doing a live watch along either on Twitch or YouTube. I will be doing one. I just don't know if I'm doing it on Twitch or YouTube on Sunday night. Can have some fun since I'm down here in San Diego. There's no Oscar parties with my friends right. this year, so I will be doing it live and having. I will fun. be missing the. I will be missing the Oscars. I when the Oscars are airing, I will be most likely drinking my way around the countries at Epcot. So wow. I, I for the first time like in. Oof. that i can remember i'll be i'll be missing the oscars i'll have to catch it later i'm definitely going to record it and watch it and i'll obviously okay. be all over twitter but uh but yeah i'll probably also be drunk in norway so <laughs> we'll see what happens drunk in norway <laughs> i like that uh one quick thing though uh with the oscars uh because you know all the changes they've been making all the things that have been happening um this coming from brian steinberg here at bryce Stye. he's a senior tv editor of variety he said, despite recent ratings declines, he's reporting on Variety that Disney has sold out all its commercial inventory 
around the Oscars with ABC seeking 1.7 million to 2.2 million, Mike, for a 30-second spot. And for all the idea of ratings, they sold all the ad space. So for all the crying about ratings and the changes or whatever, they sold all the ad space. So it seems seems weird what the it's actual not, it's not real i mean look the ratings the ratings go down every year for these things but the ratings on everything go down like yes we don't live in the era of back in the day when we had four or five major networks and everything was on and so i yeah. think that and 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 even with the stuff that people watch so many people watch um record things watch them later yeah. dvr things live television events still carry a cachet for uh advertisers because it's one of the few times and like you and i we talked about it, like if we yeah. if you weren't down in san diego and i wasn't in orlando we would watch the oscars we would watch them live because sure. we would want things to be we'd want to see things happening as they are we're on twitter where everybody yeah. is responding in real time so it's one of the few times that like the super bowl and the oscars are two of the few times that during a year that i actually watch commercials <laughs> Right, so it go. does kind of make sense. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's what I mean. Now, all these changes, they still sold the ad space. And it wasn't yeah. because of the changes. I just want to make that no, really clear. It was not because of the – no, no, like it wasn't like Toyota was like, well, I wasn't going to buy that Oscar ad. But, <laughs> but now that they, they're, now that they're not giving those awards, I guess we're in. Like that's not how that works. <laughs> it's not how any of this works. Uh, anyway, uh, so what we're doing here on this uh, segment, this main event segment here – we are going to give our Oscars predictions, and uh, I pitched this to the guys, and I said, whoever wins gets to assign the other two to either watch something or do something that they have been hesitant to do or didn't want to do. And we've kind of logged in our, um, I think, our possible uh, uh, punishments, shall we say, or consequences of not winning. So we're going to go through all the main categories, and then we've got a couple of tiebreakers that we're going to mess around with here uh, overall, Michael. So, um, shall, and we've got Shannon's list as well. I have it pulled up here and uh, on my notes. So, um, so shall wait, we go? What, do you so what, now, if we all agree on something, it just yeah, is yeah. a wash, right? Like, there's not like, I, I, if you choose right. something, I don't have to choose differently just because no, like, no, it's just no, a wash. No. Yeah, and we're just going to rack up the points yeah, at the end. All right. Exactly, exactly. Do we want to so, say what our things are that we're going to have to do? Or are we saving that? Did you already come up with yours? Because I know Shannon and I already came up with ours, I think. I think I am gonna. It's not a punishment; it's a gift. But I'm oh. gonna take you both with me on a gay cruise. <laughs> what are we gonna do on a gay cruise? By the way, everyone listening right now wants to see that movie. The Geek Buddies, the Geek Buddies Gaycation is the movie that everybody wants to see. No, I don't know. I haven't decided what I'm gonna do. I haven't decided. I have to think about it. Smoke, smoke when I win. That Instagram Geek Buddies account. The smoke will come off that thing for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's start with the uh, best picture uh, right off the bat here, Michael. What do you have? And I'm going to write down everybody's choices so we have yep. a, a thing. What do you have for best picture in your opinion? A lot, of, a lot of people clamoring for Coda or Power of the Dog. I've heard some King Richard possibilities in the wind. Even a little West Side Story love. So where do you see it happening uh, in the best picture category? Well, I think we said this when the nominations came out, or I said this when the nominations came out. My personal preference, I feel that West Side Story is the best film of the year. I okay. would personally I vote for West Side Story as best film of the year. I will place my vote for Power of the Dog because I think okay. that is what is going to win best picture this year. All right, I will agree with you. I have Power of the Dog as well. Even though I think Coda is 
a more enjoyable film. I certainly enjoyed Coda more. And I know the Jane Campion gaffe happened when they were the same week that they were doing the Oscars voting. So it could affect things uh, with best picture. I just think in the end, people, you know, Oscars, they want to be artistic. I feel like they don't really go most of the time with crowd pleasers, even though Green Book's pretty much good. Uh, and in this situation, I think they'll go with the power of the dog over Coda. But Shannon, already disagreeing with both of us, has Coda. So already he's a softy. He's a softy. I mean, look, Coda, Coda is a wonderful movie. I mean, I it is, it really, it really hits you in all the feels. It's great. Yeah. I, it, I, I think Coda kind of falls in that West side story category. Like there are a lot of people that would say, I think personally Coda was my favorite movie of the year. And I think right. you'd be right. West right. side story, I think is the, to me, the crowning achievement of, uh, of movie making this year. Mm -hmm. But um yeah i think that uh i'm gonna go with power of the dog okay all right with best actor shannon i'll go Shan shannon has will smith for king richard um there have been a lot of people pushing for benedict cumberbatch for power of the dog do you think this is will smith's year or do you think cumberbatch comes in and takes it because of the possible best picture win for power of the dog i mean will smith's got it then will, yeah. smith, will smith won sag award will smith won golden globe Mm -hmm. Will Smith's got this. This is Will Smith's year, and he deserves it. King Richard yeah. is great. Like he, he really does deserve it. I mean, I think Will Smith, as one of the one of uh, the big movie stars of Hollywood, has done a lot of things that deserve it. But I think this really, yeah. really does, and I think it's his. He's going to get it. Very underappreciated dramatic actor. I, I like Will when he goes drama. I loved Concussion. A lot of people don't give it too much love. It is a fantastic performance from Will. And yeah, I know it was a like, damn the truth, but there's more within that film when you watch yeah. it there's a lot of soul for lack of a better term in what will is doing um all right best actress uh what do you got it's a tough one mm. uh, i i wasn't really sure um again kind of going by who i think is gonna win not right, like my right, personal right. favorite and you know i was looking i believe that uh nicole kidman won the globe i always go and look at the awards you kind of like look and see mm -hmm. what like the and i think yeah, I think Kidman won the Globe, but Jessica Chastain won the SAG Award. Yeah, yeah. But I kind of think Nicole Kidman as Lucille Ball is going to go. I, I think that's the safe bet. Okay. I'm going to go Lucille Ball. And and look, the Hollywood Critics Association gave it to Kristen Stewart. And Kristen Stewart wasn't getting nominated anywhere until we put her on. the, And then she got the Oscar nomination. I just don't know that the Academy is 100% ready to give her the award for that version of Diana. So I just yeah. don't. But I will agree. I think Jessica Chastain is going to take this one for mm -hmm. eyes of Tammy Faye. That's what All I right. think. So I'm with Shannon. So I'll uh, put you down for Nicole Kidman. Uh, and, and OK, so let's go to Best Supporting Actor. Also a Power of the Dog versus Coda battle here. A lot of people saying Cody Smith McPhee. Other people wanting Troy Kutsur to win this. Those seem to be the two kind of top uh, contenders here. A lot of people thinking Jesse Plemons might undercut as a Power of the Dog nominee, might undercut the support for Cody Smith-McPhee. Um, I myself, I'm going to go Troy Kutsur with Coda. I just have a feel. He's the heart of the film. He's been on a run now for the last few uh, awards events. And I just think in the end, as great as Cody Smith-McPhee is, I think they see this guy who's older, who's a deaf actor, who maybe will never get another shot at this thing. I think sympathy yep. and talent, don't get me wrong, the performance deserves it. I think the combo of both is a tough thing for Cody Smith-McPhee, who's a very young actor, to overcome 
And in the end, I think it'll go to Troy Kutsur. Who do you have? I do. The, the, the supporting actor and the supporting actress categories have always been the categories that have been a little bit of a, oh, shit, didn't see that coming. Yeah, wild cards, uh, yes. Uh, it's always the wild, like, you know, Marissa Tomei and my cousin Vinny. Like, it's always mm -hmm. that. And so I'm going to go Troy Kutsur as well. Like, okay. I think that, I think that um, he was so be just beautiful. And yeah. I think it's the only way, like, his, his face was so expressive. The emotion was so raw. Yeah. Like, he really, I think you're right. I think he was the heart of the movie. And I think this is, if, if Coda deserves to get in there on any level, I do think yeah. it's a lovely movie. I think that a lot of the performances are great. But I think he's the thing about that movie that really, really deserves to be recognized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think we both loved Amelia Jones as the lead as well. Fantastic. Yeah. But it's trying to get her father to connect to what she's doing because her father is the one who started that business and all of that that's going on here. And certainly Marley Matlin, fantastic in the film as well, as you mentioned. All right, best supporting actress here, uh, Michael. We're all saying the same thing. We all know who it is. Sorry, Adam. This is, the, this is, if she doesn't win it, we riots in the streets. Yeah. And I hope they have Rachel Zegler give out the award. That's the clue. I think now that she has a, now that she's going to be presenting, <laughs> instead of uh, being left out of even the presentation of it all, uh, I think it's great. Now, here comes the place where we might differ a little bit. Best director. A lot of people feeling the Jane Campion situation. Um, but the gaffe, as I said, happened the week that the uh, her, Venus Williams and Serena Williams gaffe happened the week that people were going in to vote for the Oscars. So do you think... Where she probably would, if the Sam Elliott thing had hung in the air, I think she was a shoe in. But now with the Venus Serena Williams situation, and I'm dealing with the reality. I'm not saying it should or shouldn't happen. Yep. This is the reality. Burt Reynolds talked shit about the Oscars. He didn't win that Best Supporting Actor Oscar when he should have. So that's a dangerous thing. What do you think here? I think that probably she got in front of that fast enough. I, I just feel like, I, I, look, I think the gaff, I think the gaff was ridiculous. Like we could talk for hours about the 72 hours of Jane Campion was our favorite. Jane Campion was the worst. Jane Campion is back to okay again. But like, I, I think that the whole thing kind of got weathered and I don't know that it's going to have as much of an effect okay. as people think. And I think she, I'm going to, I'm going to vote Jane Campion. Okay. Uh, I think Shannon agrees with you. Yes, he does. So both of you have Campion. I'm going to go with Spielberg. I have a feeling that they they love the dude. He directed this film. I, I wonder if enough Academy voters saw it, but I just have a feeling that that's another way that they can go, and it's a safe way to go. And this is his best film since Schindler's List, in my opinion. Yeah. So I think... Um, I mean, and, I, I'm, I mean, and again, I'm, I'm going to be really clear here. Yeah. He has my vote. Yeah, yeah, right, right. I if I were voting right now, I would vote for him for best director. Okay. I am I am choosing based on I don't know what you or Shannon is gonna make me do if I lose, but I don't want to watch whatever garbage movie you're gonna make me watch. <laughs> so I'm trying to win this thing. So I think it's gonna be Jane Campion. Yeah, it's expendable three. That's what you're gonna oh, watch. Best animated feature. This also, dude, what a tough. This is basically from what all the predictions are saying. The Oscar experts are saying it's Encanto versus Mitchell's versus the Machines. Michael, I go to you as the head animation expert on this show. I love Encanto. 
I love it. Can you hear it coming, folks? Can you hear it coming? I have watched it 90 times. I know all the songs. Yeah. yeah I can yeah, sing yeah. all the words. <laughs> I do talk about Bruno. <laughs> but I think I'm going to vote Mitchell versus the Machines. Wow. 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 Um, this is the toughest thing for me because as a Latino, as a guy who cried and videotaped himself crying after that movie and put it on Twitter, I Encanto is my favorite animated film of the year. I loved Mitchell's versus the Machines. That was a really good animated film. I mean, really good. So, but in the end, I just feel like the Academy is going to be caught up in the Mitchell's versus the Machines camp. I do think they're going to see that as a better overall film, and they're going to vote for that. Whereas Encanto is a is a great film, a fun film, a beautiful film. I don't know it's ground if it's groundbreaking other than being representative of a South American experience, a Latino Hispanic experience. And I think whereas Mitchell Machine, sorry, pushes the boundaries of animation, and I, I think that's what's going to help it win in the end. In my I mean, look, Disney, Disney and Pixar turn out and, and legitimately turn out great movies it's not just that mm -hmm. they look amazing it's not just that the songs are great like they are really trying to push the type of storytelling they do they're not just doing the disney's not just doing another princess falling in love with another dude like right. they are right. really telling different stories they're representing different things so they really are pushing what they do and they are both the tippy top of the animation game yes the sony feature as sony feature animation sony pictures animation yeah. uh between what they did with spider-verse what they did like Mitchell's versus the machines is a gorgeous movie. And it's not just because it's a heartwarming movie and it's not yeah. just because Lord Miller made a really, really funny heartwarming movie, which is what they're, which is what they're known for. Yeah. It's the, it's the animation style. It's the character design. It's the use of 2d and all of like the weird, like the 2d effects on top of the CG animation. And it's yeah. the fact that you basically do have a queer lead. Like they really were trying to do a lot of things with that movie. And I think they really succeeded. And particularly yeah. for that movie to come out on streaming during the pandemic on Netflix and kind of just like get a life of its own. It wasn't hugely, hugely promoted yeah. when it came yeah. out on Netflix and word of mouth got more and more and more and more and more people watching it. So I, I, like I said, in Kanto, I weep every time I watch it. I love it so much, but I yeah. think Mitchell's versus the machines uh, is, is my pick. Yeah, I'm going to go heartbreakingly. I'm going to have to go with that one as well. Um, all right, let's move on to best original screenplay. Shannon McClung breaks my heart here by putting Licorice Pizza as his winner. What a fucking horrible movie. But all right, fine. Licorice Pizza for uh, Shannon. What do you have, Mike? Um, do you need the nominations or you have it on no, your No, no, I got him. I got him. I got him. I. <sighs> He could be right, by the way. I, I hate to admit that he could be right. But... I think he might be right, but I will just to just to I'm gonna throw don't look up in there. Really? So wow. I so here here's what I don't I think this might be the thing that kills me, and I'm not gonna now I'm gonna have to watch fucking Expendables three. But I this one is more of like a, I'm gonna vote. I I I know a lot of people think that don't look up was a little heavy handed. That don't look yeah. up was a little bit too much. I found it kind of delightful. Uh, okay. I, I I kind of felt the parody of it. I think we haven't had a really good parody, which is kind of what I think people threw people off. But I quite enjoyed it, and I and as a writer, I really appreciated the writing of it. Okay. So and also, I just don't want to vote for licorice pizza. So I'm voting for something else, <laughs> and I'm voting for don't look up. 
All right. I, I agree with you. I wouldn't want to vote for licorice pizza. So I'm going with Belfast. That's my choice here. I think, uh, um, I think Brana wrote a beautiful film that isn't going to win best picture or maybe even win best director for Brana, but the dialogue and the narr- and the narration and the conversations and the way he's bringing the troubles uh, back to life in 1969 and you're following this kid's journey. I think that's going to win Academy voters over. And I think it's a fantastic script. And I think in the end, that's, that's where I see it going. Um, all right. So all three of us, uh, one of us is going to win that one. So possibly. So we'll see if that ends up being the difference. Um, all right. Best adapted screenplay, power of the dog, drive my car, lost daughter, Coda and Dune. So what do you have here on this one? Uh, Mike? I would like to vote for Dune. Yes. I will vote for The Power of Dog. Wow. Strong, strong statements. I just think that movie, it's just got that energy that it's going to do that Oscar sweep. Like, and I don't, I don't dislike The Power of the Dog. I appreciated it for what it was. It is a very slow movie, but it is a very interesting character piece. And I think the ending, the last 15, 20 minutes of the movie makes it kind of worth the ride because you're really okay. like, that was really interesting. And so I'm going to go with the power of the dog, uh, okay. not completely cynically. Like, I think it, they did a good job of adapting kind of a hard story to adapt. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think that I would personally, I would go with uh, with Dune myself. But yeah, I would go with Dune myself as well. But I think it's going to be Coda. I think this is where Coda gets a victory. I think this is where it gets that Oscar. Uh, if it Because I don't see it getting the best picture, even though I would like it to get the best picture over power of the dog. I don't see it happening. So I'm going to go with Coda myself. Uh, and this could be the thing that sinks me, as you said. And I'm on a gay cruise doing um, what's the Cuba Gooding Jr. movie? I don't know what that is. That is a horrible. <laughs> we that movie that movie is cringe. <laughs> Soup's cringe. Um, all right, let's move on to best cinematography. Uh, I'll get Shannon uh, uh, going first on this one. Shannon has uh, Power of the Dog uh, as, as cinematography. Basically, he thinks Power of the Dog is going to sweep here. And to be fair, yeah. Power of the Dog has most nominations of any film this year. So um, he says Power of the Dog. What do you say? This is tough. I – these are – By the way, Each Power of the Dog, movies, Dune, Yeah, it's, it's, Alley, no, it's Dune, Nightmare Alley, Alley, Power of the Dog, Tragedy of Macbeth, and West Side Story. And each one of these kind of deserves the Oscar. It's fair. I mean, like, they're all, they're all, this is one, like, you could make a case for any of these to win. I'm going to go wow. Dune. Wow. I'm going to go Dune on this one. Okay. All right. I think, so, by the way, if Shannon yes. is right, and he very well could be, if yeah. the power of the dog does that sweep, I, I do think, though, yeah. that oh, the power God. of the dog is going to, like, win in its key categories, but I don't think it is a movie that grabs you enough that yeah. it's going to be the thing that people just vote for across the board. So I do think that people who vote for it, for like Jane Campion as best director, Power of the Dog as best movie, I do yeah. think maybe in some of these other categories they're going to be like, uh, Power of the Dog, okay, I, I did best picture, but I do think like Dune or West Side Story or something. To, so I, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. We, we left off uh, best song, but I think we can you know, kind of move past that one. Here are the tiebreakers. The two t- Unless you want to uh, pontificate, what do you think? Do you think it's Beyonce? I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it, I'm gonna give it to Encanto. Uh, yeah, I think so too. I think Encanto is gonna it, win because of Bruno, not because yeah, Dorito, they, Dorito, they, Dorito, he does. He says in capture, even though it's a beautiful song. 
Yeah, it's Sorry. a beautiful song. Sorry. They now, they now, they realize they fucked up by nominating the, by by Disney didn't put the right song up for nomination. Right. If it was we don't talk about Bruno, it would be a lock. But yeah. I do think because the music of Encanto itself is so um, popular yeah. that it might just win the halo effect that they're just going to give it to the Encanto song. Yeah, but I will say this: don't count out No Time to Die. I remember a friend of Michael Vogel's called Paul who was so against uh, a Sam Smith winning an Oscar for Spectre. And I predicted that and it won and he say, and he gave me some money uh, after the bet that we had had. So don't count out because it is one Skyfall and Spectre have both won yeah. best uh, original song here. And it's the only time a James Bond films have ever won. So could this be three for this Daniel Craig run? And it's a damn good song by Billie Eilish, by the way, who also, Wrote wow. the songs in uh, Turning Red, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. I didn't know that. So, um, all right. Uh, so let's uh, let's go to the tiebreaker here. The tiebreakers for both of the for all, there are two categories here. Best animated shorts is the tiebreaker here. And let me read those for people who may not know what these are, so we can predict these. Uh, best animated Robin Robin, Box Ballet, Affairs of the Art, The Windshield Wiper, and Bestia. What do you got, Mikey? Can you hear me? Hello? I'm gonna, no, I can hear you. I'm thinking. Oh, okay. <laughs> go ahead. I don't really, I didn't see all the short film, the short animated films, so I'm not sure. I'm going to go Bestia. You're going to go Bestia. All right. Yeah. All right. Best animated short Bestia. Shannon has uh, Robin Robin. So let's see. Bestia for Vogel. Robin Robin for Shannon. And you know what? For shits and giggles, I'm going to pick something else. I'm going to say... Affairs of the Art from the New Yorker. I have a weird feeling about it. Affairs of the Art. I'm going to go with that one. Uh, again, this could be the thing that shatters our uh, uh, situation here. And the best live action short, uh, Michael, let me read these as well for people who might not know what these are. Uh, the best live action short here. It is uh, The Long Goodbye, The Dress, Please Hold, Alukachu, Take and Run, and On My Mind. Now, Shannon has the long goodbye. So what do you say? You know that I'm going to take uh, the dress. I'm going to take the dress. Okay. All right. Uh, the dress for Michael Vogel. And uh, just to be different, which is the one with, uh, oh, God, I can't see. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say the I'm going to say the long goodbye as well, because Riz Ahmed, I feel like people know him. So I'm going to go in that camp with uh, with uh, Shannon and uh, right. live or die with Shannon. So either Michael Vogel wins off this category. I feel like if it gets this thing, or Shannon and I, or Shannon and I take it, and Michael's going to oh, watch. Oh God, it's going to be rough, guys. So, I, I have a feeling I'm losing yeah. this thing. <laughs> well, look, I mean, you know, it's tough. This thing is tough. Uh, and uh, all right, so Shannon, Robin, Rob. All right, there we go. All right, that's our Oscar predictions. Uh, anything you're looking forward to, either seeing. Um, on tape later, uh, since you're not going to watch it live, Mike, what, are you hoping, like, what is your feelings going into this Oscars and this incredible um, list of honestly, presenters that are not necessarily film people? I honestly, I mean, I'm just really, even though I'm not going to be able to watch it live, yeah. I am hoping that we get an Oscar show that is a little bit more like classic Oscar shows. Like, I last yeah. year, it was rough. It was COVID, but like, you know, doing something where it was just awards where you had, you didn't see clips of the performances. You didn't see montages of all your favorite movie scenes. Like I like 
a show yeah, that celebrates, celebrates movies because I love movies. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just hoping that we get some of that. I'm hoping that there's a couple movie montages that just hit me right in the feels. Uh, <laughs> go from there. Yeah, agreed. I agree. I, I, I'm with Michael. As, as, as much crap as I may be giving some of the changes or whatever, I'm still hoping it's a damn good show and that people get a chance to shine and uh, get showcased for their work. Because, you know, so for some people, this is their only time to get recognized by an august body like this at the Oscars. And it could lead to a lifetime of work if they get recognized with an award. How many careers are made off the Oscars? There are so many. So for the smaller categories, quote unquote, smaller categories, I'm hoping those people that win or at least get recognized uh, uh, go on to have lucrative careers and successful careers in the business. Sometimes it can happen that way. And I'm looking forward to some great speeches, some great montages, as you said, Michael, and some fun musical uh, performances as well. So just just generally having a lot of fun, and I hope it happens for sure. Uh, all right, well, there you go. That's our episode here of the Geek Buddies. Thank you all so much for joining us. Michael, do you know what we have to tell them? What, what yeah, you- we got to say that if you want to follow us, you can follow us at Twitter on at, at geek underscore buddies, on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you would like to follow John Roca, you can follow him at the Roca says. You can follow Shannon McClung at Shannon underscore McClung, and you can follow me at MKToon. And if you enjoyed this show with just me and John, aka your favorite of the three buddies, uh, <laughs> you can either send letters to tell us not to have Shannon come back, or you can hope shannon gets better soon so that the three buddies can be reunited and here is the things that you can do to help us stay together you can hit the like button below you can subscribe to johnny's outlaw nation page with all the amazing content that he's got over there leave your comments let us know your oscar predictions what do you think about disney and how they're handling the don't say gay situation what do you think about tron 3 what do you think about wednesday are you excited for thor 3 let us know down in the comments if you're listening to us on uh apple podcasts or spotify or anywhere podcast are available take a second to leave us some stars and leave us some comments it helps us go up in the rankings and as always the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video post it on your socials and tell everybody to hang out with your buddies the geek buddies i did it all i did the whole thing thank you very much thank you (laughs) all right and one more shout out to carbon health the people that power and sponsor us and support us here on the outlaw nation shout out to them they've got a hundred locations in 14 states if you heard me say that before i'm gonna reiterate that again Hey, look, don't hesitate on this stuff. Some of you are Smowdown fans. You see what Kevin Smith has gone through. Getting checked early is important. You might have something going on with your body. You might feel a little weird. Don't be a, quote, man about it. Don't tough it out. Go and find out what's going on. And Carbon Health has now increased the number of locations that they have available to you. As I said, 100-plus locations in 14 states, 50-plus locations in California, Bay Area, Los Angeles, Sacramento, North San Diego. They believe in establishing a partnership with a primary care clinician that gets a professional in your corner for your healthcare questions, your needs, and a healthy future. They come up with a plan specifically for you. And look, all of us have put on weight for COVID. I put on weight for COVID. I get it. So you want to meet with somebody who's going to help you slowly take that weight off in a healthy manner and in a way that works for you that you can make lifelong habits out of staying in fantastic shape for yourself so you can live long enough to hang out and be a fan of the Geek Buddies for as long as possible. And we continue to partner with Carbon Health generally because they care about positive communities who engage with each other over the love of culture and expressions of life. You can even download the Carbon Health app and keep it as a doc in your pocket for those immediate urgent care needs, whether you book an in-person visit or virtual visit. So head on over there. Doc in your pocket, you say? They're saying a doc in your pocket. So head on over to carbonhealth.com and go get seen or checked out today or in the near future. All right, we love you madly. 
Uh, much love to Shannon. Hope you feel better. And we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode here from The Geek Buddies! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.